Okay, this is the parasha. The parasha is parasha both. Parasha is both. What I want to talk about is the first mitzvah in the Torah given to Bnei Yisrael, Kiddush HaChodesh. Right, the first mitzvah that was given to the Jewish people as a people was Kiddush HaChodesh, is Kiddush HaChodesh. Uh, it's true that in the book of Breshit there are also several mitzvot. Right, the mitzvah period of Arivia, be fruitful, uh, the mitzvah of Gideon Nashe. Those mitzvot are in the book of Breshit. But they were not given to B'nai Yisrael. And as you know, the obligation, our obligation to do mitzvot, generally speaking, that's what the Mishnah says in, uh, in Chulin, comes from Matan Torah. So that if the, you know, so at the time of Har Sinai, time of Har Sinai, even the mitzvot that we knew about earlier from Breshit, even those mitzvot are kind of authenticated or authorized by uh, Har Sinai. So it would be correct to say that we do mitzvot because they were given to us at Har Sinai. And yet, there are certain mitzvot that are given to B'nai Yisrael in the span between Yitziat Mitzrayim and Matan Torah, but in between. And the first mitzvah, well, after, uh, you know, you could catch me in all these things, but you know, there was Korban Pesach, but the Korban Pesach Yitziat Mitzrayim it's not the Korban Pesach that we gave subsequently. We gave the Korban Pesach differently, Yerushalayim, uh, etc. But the first mitzvah that was given to B'nai Yisrael that is in fact um, part of the corpus of mitzvot was Kiddush HaKodesh. And that's in these Pesukim in uh, Perak Bet. If you look at the sheet, it says, Vayom HaShem HaMoshem HaAaron Be'eretz Mitzrayim Le'mor Eretz Mitzrayim, right? They're still on the way out. They're, they're still in Eretz Mitzrayim. Ha'chodesh hazeh lachem rosh chodoshim. Rishon hu lachem l'chodshei hashana. That's what the Torah says, that the first, there's a mitzvah. The Torah says, there's an important mitzvah that you should know about, and it's called Kiddush HaChodesh. Right? The mitzvah that you should know about is called Kiddush HaChodesh. Uh, you remember that the Rashi, the first Rashi of the Torah, which is a Rashi that everybody should remember, <laughs> you know, it's that you learn, you learn the Parsha Breshet, right before you doze off because of the chow, you get through the first Pasuk. The first Pasuk, Rashi says, over Rav Yitzchak, Rashi quotes Rav Yitzchak, which is apparently, it's not his father, as people used to think, but it's actually an Amora that appears in uh, a book of Medrash that we call Tanchuma Yashan. We call it that. Uh, it was published by um, it was published by uh, by Shlomo Buba, who was Martin Buba's father. And it and the Tanchuma used to be called Buba's Tanchuma. But then the righteous people thought that you might be mixing it up with the sun. You wouldn't want to call the Tanchuma after the name of Martin Buber. That would be uh, kind of unreasonable. So they stopped calling it Buber's Tanchuma or Tanchuma Buber, and they started calling it Tanchuma Yashan. Um, I don't know if it's more Yashan than the other Tanchuma or not, but that's what they call it. So if you look it up, so in all sorts of uh, books, it says Tanchuma Yashan. And if you own a Tanchuma, the Tanchuma is printed in a very uh, good edition, vocalized edition by Eshkol. Eshkol is a, a right, not a right wing, but a very firm publishing house. Now, it may be that it's not, uh, it's not obvious what a firm publishing house is, but a firm publishing house is a publishing house that doesn't print uh, things on paper when there's some kind of question of Chirul Shabbat in making the paper. Now, whether that is a halacha or not, I don't know, but there's no doubt that that's the, the position. So Eshkol put out this Tanchuma, which is very good, very helpful, you know, very easy to use. In the back of that Tanchuma, there's a Tanchuma Yashan, so if you ever want to look it up, it's there. 
getting back to our topic, Rabbi Yitzchak asked that question. Why did the Torah start with Breshit Baralukim, with the story of creation? Why didn't the Torah start with the Torah? It's mainly about mitzvot. It's about our obligations. It tells us what we're supposed to do. So where should the Torah have started? The Torah should have started from Achodesh Ezelachem. That's what Rabbi Yitzchak's, that's what Rabbi Yitzchak's question is. So, okay, so there's an answer. I mean, after all, Achodesh Ezelachem, it's true, that's the first mitzvah, but there's a certain underpinning. Like, you know, like, like, who is a Jew? What does a Jew believe in? He believes in God. He believes in creation. He believes in history in a certain way. So Rashi explains that it makes sense that the Torah started from Bereshit Baralokim, even though the first mitzvah is a Chodesh HaZelachem. But the question that Rashi does not deal with, and the question that Rashi does not answer is, why? Why is the first mitzvah in the Torah why is the first mitzvah in the Torah? HaChodesh HaZelochem? Isn't there a more important... You know, what are the other mitzvot that B'nai Yisrael were made aware of before Matan Torah was, for example, Shabbat. When did they learn about Shabbat? In the parasha of B'Shalach. Next week's parasha. At the end of the parasha, we learn about the man which we will talk about in the Shia that is not going to be given next week. But in the man, what's man? Oh, man is something that you can collect every day, but you can't collect it on Shabbat. Since you can't collect it on Shabbat, you have to have twice as much on Friday during Shabbat. So that's really, that's a powerhouse mitzvah. That's a mitzvah that kept Am Yisrael going, as we see it, for, for, for the last 2,000 years, without a doubt. Quite the contrary. Nobody does Kiddush HaChodesh anymore. I haven't done Kiddush HaChodesh in 2,000 years. So, the importance of the mitzvah of Shabbat is such that if you were going to pick out a mitzvah to teach B'nai Yisrael and say, this is a formative mitzvah. This is what, this is what you are supposed to be. You're supposed to be the people of Shabbat. That would make sense to me. Remember, I'll go back again. They're two different questions. One question that Rashi asks, which is, why did the Torah start with the stories of creation and not start with the mitzvot? That question is answered by Rashi. But there's another question, and that question is, if you're going to pick out a mitzvah that teach it to B'nai Yisrael when they're leaving Mitzrayim, why was that mitzvah, Chodesh Ezelachem, and not Shabbat, for example? Why was it a Shabbat? That's a more important, a more important mitzvah. So if you look at, uh, <coughs> you look at the Rashi, Rashi says, when the Pesach says, What is Eretz Mitzrayim? You see the fourth line in the Rashi? Chutz Outside of the city. It says, we don't know whether this statement was made to Moshe Rabbeinu when he was still in the city, in Egypt, or after he left. Talmud Lomar, No, was outside of the city. Uma Tfila Kala, Loit Palel, Betoch HaKrach, Dibur Chamur, Lokol Shekeh, and just as Moshe Rabbeinu there, Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't willing to pray in the city, which was full of Avodah Zorah. So uh, there he wasn't willing to raise. So here, so, so it, it, it knows what, the, what Rashi is trying to tell us is that they were already out. They were already going out. Out of Eretz, uh, out of Eretz Mitzrayim. Pasuk Bet is the Mitzvah itself. Achodesh Zelachem Rosh Chodeshim. So Rashi says, Achodesh Azeh Hereihu Levana Bechidusha. Remember that story in the Mishnah? that HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed uh, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, or Moshe and Aaron, what the new moon looks like. V'amalo, kishayareach mitchadesh, yelach ha-rosh chodesh. And he told him, when there's a new moon, you see that sliver of a new moon, that's called, that's called Rosh Chodesh. V'ein mikra yotzei bidei pshuto. 
Ain mikra yotzei b'dei pshuto. We're not going to get into that, but Rashi says that pshat uh, is uh, always significant. Al chodesh nisan amarlo. That the chodesh are shown is nisan. V'zeye rosh the seder minyana chodeshim, and the tzad determined that nisan would be number one in the months. Shiyei iyar karui sheni. Sivan shlishi. Of course, there's a little bit of a mix-up in Rashi because you know that in the Torah. The months don't have names. The months are only called numbers. Chodesh Arishon is what we call Nisan. But as the Ramban explains immediately right here, the Ramban explains that the names of the months came from Babel. Came from Babel. When the Jews came back from Babylonia, remember when did they come back from Babylonia? 535 BCE with Ezra and Nehemiah. They were exiled from Eretz Israel by the Babylonians in 586. Until 586, what I'm going to say now is not precisely true, but it's true enough. You know what I mean? It's true enough. Until that time, the months did not have names. This is not true. The months had certain kinds of names. There were names in the Tanakh for some of the months. But the official name of the month of Nisan, what we call Nisan, was a Chodesh Arishon, a Chodesh Hashini, a Chodesh Hashi, etc. When they came back from Babel, they came back from Babel, they started using the Babylonian names of the months. So Nisan is a Babylonian name of a month. Right? There's a lot of interesting, and, and so, uh, uh, for some reason, some reason, that was a reasonable thing to do. That made sense. That made sense. So here Rashi is mixing us up here, because Rashi says, Chodesh Rishon is Nisan, Chodesh says, Iyar. What he means is, Chodesh Rishon is what we call Nisan. And Chodesh Hashem is what we call Iyar. But at the time of the Torah, nobody called it Nisan or Iyar. I mean, as if there was no such thing. There were other names around, but the real, the names that the Jews used were number one, number two, number three. That's how, that's how we did it. Hazeh. Right, you see the Rashi, four lines to the bottom of the Rashi. Nitkashem Moshe al-Molad halavadna it said, that's what the, the Gemara says, that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know exactly when the new moon was the new moon. And so, So the word Hazer, which is a word of pointing. Like when you say Hazer, that means this one, this, you have to point at something. So HaKadosh Baruch so to speak, pointed at a picture of the Levada, or pointed at the Levada, uh, when you see this in the sky, then you know it's a new moon. How did he show it to him? After all, we know that the prophecy to Moshe Rabbeinu took place only during the day, which is the time of, uh, which is going to come up again. It's important for us to remember. Daytime is the day of light. It's the time of light, and light is, is a type of, a time of excessive knowledge and understanding, and that's when the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu was, even though you know that the Raman Paskins, that the main time for learning Torah is nighttime. Raman Paskins, that is, not like it's just an opinion that he has, but it's in the, it's the Yara Chazakah. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, there, there are variations between day and night. Here Rashi says that, and he quotes a person, right? right? So that means that when did God show Moshe Rabbeinu what the moon looked like? When the sun had almost set. It was still daytime as far as the prophecy was concerned. But it was already nighttime because we could see the moon, uh, etc. But here the emphasis in the Rashi, the emphasis of the Rashi is on the word Hazet. Right? And there's some problem that Moshe Rabbeinu had. Now if we think of it, you think about it, you say to a kid, 
You say to a kid, I want you to look every night at the sky and tell me when the new moon comes up. Right here in Yerushalayim, in the summertime, when it's clear. You think he could do it? I think he could. I think he could. I don't see what the big mystery is. This is the mystery that Moshe Rabbeinu, I mean, you could dray around, but I mean, after all, how was the new moon determined ultimately? Witnesses came. They came to the, the witnesses came to the Beit Din in Yerushalayim, and they said, we saw a new moon. Was that something that was given over to expert cartographers or to people who had studied astronomy in university? This is like a simple, straightforward kind of thing. So what remains unclear to us, remains unclear to us amongst the few other things, is what was it that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't cut? What was it that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't get? So we have like a second question. The first question is, why is the first mitzvah that was given to B'nai Yisrael's B'nai Yisrael Kiddush HaKodesh? And second of all, what is the story about Moshe Rabbeinu not understanding and God has to point, this, point to it and say, this is a new moon. I mean, what's, the, what's the greater you know, problem with figuring out what a new moon is? You know, that's something that's, that's obvious. It doesn't take any training. There were plenty of new moons in Moshe's life uh, before Yitziat Mitzrayim. So Rashi doesn't explain that to us. Now the Rashbam, all right, the Rashbam brings up another interesting problem. Let's say the beginning, the beginning of the Rashbam. Fisha parasha shel mitzvot i utzrach lefereisha mitzvot halalu nitztavu b'mitzrayim. So we all know that B'nai Yisrael received the Torah in three places, three locations. One was Har Sinai, right? One was Oral Moed, what we call Oral Moed, when after the Cheta Egel, there was, there was the Oral Moed, and Moshe Rabbeinu went there to teach. He learned Torah and he taught it to B'nai Yisrael. And the third place was in our vote Moab. So the Bnei Yisrael learned the Torah. Bnei Yisrael learned the Torah. I'm not talking about Moshe Rabbeinu receiving the Torah, which might not be the same thing. But Bnei Yisrael learned the Torah over the space of 38 years in the desert. By Har Sinai, at Har Sinai, they didn't learn any Torah. They heard a little bit of the Aseret that they brought, and that's all. Moshe Rabbeinu may have learned the Torah, but Bnei Yisrael did not learn the Torah at Har Sinai. They received the Torah which is not quite the same thing. It's not quite the same thing. According to the Rashbam, there was a fourth geographic location in which B'nai Yisrael learned Torah, and that fourth ge- uh, location was Mitzrayim. That there was Torah taught to B'nai Yisrael in Mitzrayim, for example, HaKodesh HaZelachem, for example, uh, uh, Shabbat. For example, Sam Sham Sam Lo Chodim Shabbat Sham Bisau, which is about uh, different mitzvot. I mean, it's not uh, the the girsa is not perfectly clear. Paraduma Kibur Avaim. There were mitzvot that B'nai Yisrael learned before they came to Har Sinai, even though the Torah, Kwa Torah, like written down with words, was taught to B'nai Yisrael at Har Sinai at Al Moed, at Arvot Moab. The mitzvot, some of the mitzvot of the Torah were taught to B'nai Yisrael when they were in Mitzrayim and just leaving Mitzrayim. Okay? All of that. Uh, so now we have uh, another entry, like, like why? Why did the Torah have to be taught to B'nai Yisrael, a part of the Torah, to taught to B'nai Yisrael in Mitzrayim? Right? Which is what the Rashbam says, when, after all, they're going to Har Sinai. They couldn't hold, hold themselves together until they get to Har Sinai. And then they'd learn the Torah. I remind you of a story. I remind you of a story in Bereshit Perek Lamed Chet. Perek Lamed Chet in Bereshit is the story of Yehuda and Tamar. Story of Yehuda and Tamar. The result of the story of Yehuda and Tamar, which is of historic uh, importance to us, is that Tamar became pregnant. 
Not only did she become pregnant, but she had children. Twins. Right? She had twins. And this is the story of the twins. She's giving birth. Tamar. Remember Tamar? She was married to Yehuda's son. And then married a second son. And then finally became pregnant when she she um, set herself up as a prostitute on the road and, and Yehuda slept with her and she became pregnant. Now she's having children. And they discover that she has twins. So she starts giving birth. One of these little kids sticks his hands out. Hand, singular, out. Right? And the midwife grabs onto his head, the kid. And she puts one of these hospital bandages on it. You know, like in the hospital, they put the... And it said, first. That's what it said on it. It said, first. And then, this child, if for some unknown reason, grabs his hand back and disappears into his mother's womb. And all of a sudden, who shows up? The twin. The twin shows up. And she said, the mother or the midwife, somebody said, Ma paratsta alecha peretz. Paratsta? What'd you, what'd you rush in here? Why'd you come? Where, where, why did you wait your turn? Why did you wait your turn? Your brother is, is, is being born and you're pushing him out. You're going out first. Vaikra shimo paretz. And she gave him the name Peretz. And he was called Zarach. 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 Zarach means the shining of the sun, reflection. Shani, Rashi says, Rashi says, um, Zarach. Al Shem Zricha Zrichat Marita Shani. The Shani, this this uh, this thing that was tied around his head, his hand shined. So he, she called him Zarach, the one who shines. So she had two children, twins, Peretz and Zarach. Peretz. That's the end of the story. That's the end of the story. Now, what possible connection could there be between the story of the birth of the children of Tamar and the questions that we asked about Kiddush Levana? So, if you look carefully, or if you don't, you just follow along the Ramban. The Ramban explains, Ma paratzta alecha peretz? Chazakta alecha chozek, the Ramban says. Peretz, the throats, to break through, that's power, that's strength. That's what Rashi says. Vinyan peretz, bekoma kom, nititzat hagader va'avaro. He says, you know what parrots means? We say it's the echad poretz, echad poretz at agader. You break through the fence. You pass through the fence. Let me say today in Hebrew, 
Paratsata, Paratsata Gadera. He broke it down. Mean Paratskidra, a pasuk in Yeshayahu. Lava Paratsata Gidareha. Uvil Shodam, El Chachzal also said it. Pirza Karet Laganab. It's an opening that calls like the Aganab. Uh, uh, like if you leave your door open, your house really opens, so then, you know, uh, you could expect some kind of crook to come in through that door. He says, but in Hebrew, it's Lashon HaKodesh, right? In Hebrew, the word paratz is used not only for breaking down a physical barrier, but also for breaking down any kind of barrier. Hashem said to, to Yitzchak, you'll go to the, to the west, to the east. I mean, you'll, you'll spread out through the whole world. It doesn't mean you're going to break down the world. It just means, even though there's no barrier, you're going to go as though you're going through a barrier. Again, this word is used in the abstract. That's what, uh, uh, that's what the Ramad says. So the word parrots, we're talking about the name parrots. Name parrots means either you broke down a real barrier, like a fence, like a wall, or that you just simply grew, like you went all over the place, even though there's no physical barrier. The Chena Mavikam, the Yotar Yishon Kameshiv Yadol V'hu Omer, V'hu Maher Latzeit, Maparatzta Parrots Gadol V'gadol So that's why, why she said to him, why, what, are you, what are you pushing your way through this fence? There was no fence. You know, it's just that it's proper to say about what was happening. Parats the parrots. The Amar. You see the Pesach says, Ma parats the Alecha parrots. Why did you parats them? Alecha. What does the word Lecha mean? It should have been, the Torah should have said, Ma parats the parrots. What do you mean Alecha? What's Alecha got to do with anything? It's like, a, it's like a pronoun, but, but it just doesn't fit in. So the Ramban says, You see that Ramban is the third wide line. Towards the end of the line. After all, the fence, so to speak, which is the womb or the, 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 the wherever he was inside his mother's body, he says, Hu He was in jail. He was like jailed in that place. Like, why did you knock down that which was fencing you in and run out from there? Okay, so what did the Ramban explain? The Ramban explained that the word parrots has a very literal meaning, which is knocking down an actual barrier, and it has a, a, a I don't mean literal, it has a very uh, straightforward, simple meaning, which is breaking down a barrier, and it has a less straightforward and more general any time a person is kind of held back from something and he breaks out, you can say paratsta parrots, right? Alecho, in this case, means it was the thing that was stopping him from getting out, right? The womb, the, the place that he was. He was, sort of in, he was sort of in jail. And even though that womb is not a jail because it opens up after all to let the babies out, right? Or whatever opens up. I mean, I but to go further into that. So he says, Rabbi Avram, continue, Rabbi Avram, Omar, he quotes the, the Ibn Ezra, Paratsta, Kadama Poretz Gader Ibn Ezra simply puts it together, and he says, you got out of your mother's womb like a person who breaks down a wall. Right? You, you shouldn't have gone first, you should have gone second. Vinei Yesha Lecha Mishpat, Zeha Peretz. And that's the, that's what it means. The Ein Tam. That's what the Ramban says. Ein Tam. I can't understand, I can't understand uh, what the Ibn Ezra is talking about. He doesn't make this distinction that I, that I make. Okay. The only thing that's wrong with this interpretation of the Ramban 
is that it's hard for us to understand why it was so important that the Torah tell us why the names were given to the children of Tamar. Like, who cares about how they were born? I mean, what is, well, let's say it differently. Let's say, what is the significance of the birth of Peretz and Zarah? What makes this something that I'm interested in? How do I become, I mean, the whole story of Tabar and Yehuda, you know, is told in the Torah at great length. And it's, a, you know, it's the kind of question that we are liable to ask. Okay? I know what the word parrots means. I know why he was called parrots. But why is it important for me to know why he was called parrots? Why am I interested in knowing about the birth of these two children, two Tamar? I mean, I know that ultimately they're important. But right now, what do I have to know about them? I don't know exactly about the birth of Ruvain and Shimon and Levi, right? I don't know about the children of Leah. I don't know how, whether, she, whether she, she had an epidural or she didn't have an epidural. I don't know any of that. I said, I don't know any of that. Well, I have to know about what's going on here with Tamar. So listen to the Ramban. The Ramban says this. That's what the Ramban calls a book that we usually call Bahir. Sefer Bahir, which is a very early Kabbalistic work, and collects, until I had it, it, collections of ideas about different things. He calls it, he calls it the book of Rabbi Nechunaya ben Akone, who was an Emora. So he says, in the book of Rabbi Nechunaya ben Akone, Yaskir Sod B'Shem Eile HaYeludim. There's a Sod. What's a sod? I've told you many times. There's a different language. Right? Usually, if you take uh, words like parrots and zarach, you connect parrots to breaking down a wall, and you connect zarach to shiny, to something that's shiny. But, according to the Kabbalah, Kabbalah, you could take these words and give them different interpretations and come out with a different meaning of the Pasuk. And that's what the Ramana is interested in. is the system right now of Kabbalah. The Ramana is simply interested in how the book called Bahir explains the names Peretz and Zarach. So listen to this. Amru, Ikre Zarach, he's quoting now. He's called Zarach, Al-Shema Chama, what is what is uh, uh, what is Zarach? It shines. What shines? The sun. The sun always shines. And it's true that we don't always see the sun shining. But the sun is a constant in the created world. Right? It always it always shines. Parents. Parrots, however, is connected to moon, to the moon. Why the moon? Because sometimes the moon is very active, bursts out, right, gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and sometimes the moon gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So, Peretz is a word that reminds us of the moon. Just like Zerach is a word that reminds us of the sun, Peretz reminds us of the moon. So is that good or bad? Well, we don't know. So what does that mean? Uh, Peretz, again, I'm sorry. Right. Right, Peretz, which means who's first? According to this, the moon. But parrots is the moon. Zerach is the sun. So the moon is first. I'm sorry, everybody knows. It was, it was like you had this fight. There was a fight between the two babies. Who came out first? The sun. Who really came out first? I mean, who eventually came out first? The moon, right? Remember, first Zorach, the first, the first child put his hand out. And then the midwife put this uh, thing around his arm. Hand. And he is Zorach. And Zorach is son. The other brother came out uh, first, actually, and he is 
parents. So it turns out that who gets prime primogenitor? Who's the first one? The moon. So the the Sefer Abdullah says, how come? Everybody knows that the sun is first, that the sun is dominant, that if you had to choose between the sun and the moon, everybody would choose the sun. The sun gives life, the sun gives light. The moon doesn't do anything. It gives a little reflected light. But nothing. So he says, how could it be? So he says, he says, Hamad Golamin Alavana. So Hamad Golamin Alavana. So how is it possible that in the story of Tamar and her children, it's the Lavana that came out first? And the Lavana is like the Bechor. It's like the firstborn. Lokasha. <laughs> that makes us relax, huh? Lokasha. No problem. Why no problem? The Haktiv Yad. Right? That was the Chama. So like, like if you know the whole story, we know who really came out first. Who really came out, even though parents might be the Bechor, because as, a, as an entity he came out first. But as far as the Yad, whose hand came out first? Zorach. So that's called Lokasha. They say, so what's Lokasha? If you want to say the sun came out first, you can say the sun came out first. But still, I mean, we're sort of embroiled here. So what does all this mean? Da'atam, of course, means Chazal, the Chachamim, or the Sefer Bahir which based itself on Chachamim. He says, he says, uh, da'atam, sham halavana, halavana David. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that parents was the father of 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 David HaMelech. Right? Everybody knows that. It's at the end of the Megillah of Rus. At the end of the Megillah of Rus. So Peretz is the Levana, and Peretz is Malchut Beit David. And they were, they were twins, the sun and the moon. Ki Levana. Mut'emet Pachama. That the Levada only exists because it is reflected by the sun, or it's reflected in the sun. Vehine Peretz Ta'om Lizerach Anotenyat. And he, Peretz, is a twin to Zerach, who gave his hand out. Who is the Bechor Bekorach Al Yom? Who is the Bechor Bekorach Al Yom? Peretz. Peretz is the Bechor Bekorach Al Yom. In other words, you have this odd thing. You would think that in heaven they would want Zerach to be the, 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 Zerach's the sun. The sun is the future, the sun is the light. So no, no, something happened that, could, that changed everything and made parents into the Bechor. That's Bechor Chalyon Kemosha Amar, Af Ani Bechor Et That sometimes the Bechor is determined on the spot. And parents was determined to be uh, the Bechor. Vizem Amaram, the Kiddush HaChodesh. David Melech Yisrael Chai Vikayam Ramaskil Yavin. You know, whenever the Raman says Ramaskil Yavin, I always feel badly. But I figure he wants me to try. You know, and I mean, you could say a Maskil Yavin is like exclusive. If you're a Maskil, so you could learn the Ramban. And since probably none of us are great Maskilim, maybe we shouldn't learn this Ramban. On the other hand, you could say, if you try, you might understand something. So I'll tell you what the Ramban is talking about. I will tell you. You'll turn the page. You have to turn the page. 
see on the other side of the page there's a Medrash Shmot Rabbah so this is what the Medrash says we'll read a little bit of it and we'll understand everything you see the way you see it? Achodesh Zelochem. Adu Dichtiv, this apostle, Yifrach, Biyamav Tzadik, Rosh Shalom Adbili, Yareach. Ad Shalom, see Achodesh Bochu at Yisrael be Mitzrayim, Biremez, Odia Lahem, Sheena Malchut Balahem Ad Shloshim Dor. Shneemar Chodesh Zelochem. Rosh Chodeshim. Achodesh Shloshim Yom. Umalchut Shalachem Shloshim Dor. In, in other words, the Malchut of David would go on for 30 generations. The circle of the Levana David <laughs> Kevan Sheba Shlomo Mitmalei Discus Shelevana Shenema Vayeshev Shlomo Akise Asher Lamelech Vechule Vechule. In other words, this Medrash says, this Medrash is dealing with an interesting question. And that question is, how come Jewish history did not come to an end at different points in time? When, for example, should Jewish history have come to an end? What would have been a good time? David HaMelech. When David HaMelech was crowned, or let's say at the outside, Shlomo HaMelech, and they built the Beit HaMikdash, and they expanded the borders of Eretz Yisrael, and they made it possible, they made it possible for the Malchus, for the kingship of Israel to exist in the world. Now, wouldn't that have been a good time for history to come to an end? So the Medrash says, the Medrash says that no, the Nei Yisrael were made aware of the fact that history, before it would come to an end, would wax and wane. Wax is more, right? Wane is less. <laughs> that history would wax and wane, meaning there would be better times and there would be poorer times. And there would be a time when David HaMelech and Shlomo HaMelech would rule and you would think that the sun had come out and the Medrash says no it's just that the moon has become full again but after Shlomo Melech, the moon is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller until until the exile until the Jews are expelled from Eretz Israel. so there is this notion there is this notion that the Medrash says that notion is connected somehow to Achodesh HaZelachem to the idea that there's Rosh Chodesh. And so that, you know, there was an argument in heaven at the time of creation about who should be dominant. Should the sun be dominant or should the other, the other luminary, which was also a great luminary, be dominant? 
And the result was that HaKadosh Baruch Hu left the sun for the day and the moon a reflected light in the night time. And the Medrash, this Medrash, understands that as follows. That there is a world of light. But we, a world which is only light. There's a world of light. And Rashi quotes the Medrash that says, HaKadosh Baruch took the light, he says, we can't live just with light. And put it into Olam Haba for the Tzadikim. So what do we live in? What world do we live in? We live in a world of light during the daytime. But we live in the world of the moon at night. And what is the, just as the light represents constancy, achievement, we're there. The moon represents the waxing and waning of things, that there's an incompleteness to the way we are, and that our expectations are never whole. We, we never can think we've arrived at the menuchah and nachalah, even if we have menuchah and nachalah. But we, don't, we never know that this is the end of history as God has designed it or intended it. And therefore, the first mitzvah, the first mitzvah that B'nai Yisrael received as they were leaving Mitzrayim was Kiddush HaChodesh. Because Kiddush HaChodesh represents this aspect of history. As B'nai Yisrael were on the way to Har Sinai, Har Sinai, was there ever a better, better moment in Jewish history? Was there ever a better time for Am Yisrael? Was there ever anything that was better than living in the desert and learning Torah with Moshe Rabbeinu? And not having to work and not having to do it either, never. Never. So the day Israel were, were, were liable at any moment to come to the wrong conclusion. And that conclusion was that it was over, that history had ended, that they've done what they should do. And they've come to the resting place. And so HaKadosh Baruch says to Moshe Rabbeinu, listen, the Levana is what we are living with. We live the world of reflected light, of waxing and waning. And even when things are so good, as the Medrash says, you get to the, to the kingship of Shlomo HaMelech, you have to understand. You have to understand. It's, it's just Shlomo HaMelech, you're going to tip, tip the discus. It's going to go from, from reflecting light in entirety to getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. So that the end of history has not yet come. But we are assured, that's what the Sefer Rabbah here says, when you reflect upon the birth of Peretz and Zerach, we are assured that they are Taomim, that they are twins. And just as the Livana, just as the Livana is, is with us all the time, so too is the sun. And even though we feel very much that we're part of this life of the Levana, that good things turn into bad things, and bad things turn into good things, and we have no way of making judgments in the, in the larger picture about anything, about anything. A simcha, what we call simcha, that's for the moment. Of course we can be joyous, but you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what kind of Rahman al-Islam what kind of tragedy you might become part of, which was the Simcha of yesterday. So that's how we live. But the birth, according to the Sefer Bahir, the birth of Peretz and Zarach, the twins, indicate to us that even though we're in this world, we live this life of the waxing and the waning of the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, nevertheless, the Taomim, the light of parents and the light of Zerach are the same, are the same. And so we understand that the first mitzvah that was given in a kind of organized fashion to Am Yisrael was the mitzvah that was going to give them a kind of a, a, a semblance or an understanding of the reality that they're going into. And that even though getting the Torah is going to be the high point of all of Jewish history, nevertheless, Jewish history was going to continue. And it would go up, and then it would go down. 
And this mitzvah, this mitzvah, may have in turn been responsible for uh, making it impossible for Am Yisrael to judge reality, such that after the Ten Makot in Mitzrayim, after the Jews had left Mitzrayim or on the way, when they came to Yamsuf, they turned into the same people they were before. They were not sure of themselves. Why weren't they sure of themselves? Why weren't they sure that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had come to help them? Because they knew that life was about the ups and the downs. And they never knew. It was impossible to know if the Kiddush HaKadosh, whether what you are facing is the up or the possible down. So they came to Yamsuf and Moshe raised their heads go and they all said, you go. Do a miracle. Show us that it's going to work. We never had to jump into the sea before. Not for Dominus, Vidaya, Gideon, and Oro, whatever that. You did that. You didn't tell us to do it. So why are you waiting for Nachshon to jump into the sea? Uncertainty. Kiddush HaChodesh, Peretz, and Zerach, and that's why the first mitzvah in the Torah, according to Rashi and Bereshis, is the mitzvah of Kiddush HaChodesh. Have a good Shabbos. Do we have a minion for Mar? Let's start with Mar. What? What? Because that's, oh, I'm sorry. It had to be pointed that Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't do it because Moshe Rabbeinu himself couldn't, didn't understand that that was what was going to happen. He thought Yitzhak Mitzrayim was linear. That if you get the Jews out of Mitzrayim, then it's only up. And he couldn't, he couldn't understand that, that there's also down. He didn't think that was part of his uh, job, the down. You are right, though. I should have said. Okay. Bye, everyone. That's what we've done,